Every one of you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a missionary. I know it doesn't seem like that for you because you live in the United States. You work a job. You find yourself in and out of church because you work on the weekends and sometimes you don't. So how could you possibly be a missionary? And some of you, this is elementary because you've heard this ever since you were a kid. If you grew up in church, you're a missionary. You're a missionary. But the reality is you're a missionary, whether you like it or not. We're missionaries here, there, and everywhere. And here in the United States, we try to figure out how can I be the best missionary? What do I do? How do I do it? Well, you know, Paul explained this to the believers, and he explained the way it works. Can I be elementary with you? You have no choice, I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I wanna show you. Uh, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul says this, I have planted, and a man by the name of Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He says, some of us, we were the planters, and some of us were the waterers, and some of us were the reapers. Some of us have this incredible privilege after years and years of somebody witnessing to an individual to reap that fruit because that individual finally gives their life to Jesus Christ, kind of like what you just saw a minute ago. It's powerful. So it's, it's basically like this. Again, I said this is a little elementary, but go along with me. Got this pot here with some dirt. This represents the lost. Paul says, listen, the world's filled with these people that are empty inside. They have nothing going on. He said, our goal, our job is to have somebody, I call this the gospel because that's what it is. It's, it's represented by a little tiny seed. I'm going to pull that seed out. And that little seed right there starts off small, but it gets, gets big because it represents life-changing uh, experience through Jesus Christ. And what happens is somebody comes along and meets this lost person and says, let me give you something that I believe is going to change your life. It's called the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he lived, he died, he rose again, and he offers you something that's going to change your life because it's going to help you understand your condition of being lost without God and how you can be restored with God, your creator. So they plant that seed. And they plant it deep because they give the truth, not their truth, God's truth, okay, which is the word of God, right? And then somebody else, years maybe later, maybe months later, comes along and meets this individual, this lost person. We'll just call them Bob because that's an easy name. <laughs> and they say, Bob, let me tell you something about what God's been doing in my life. It's truth. And what they start doing for Bob is just pouring into Bob, okay? They give Bob truth, that pure truth from God's word truth. They may not see Bob come to know Jesus Christ, but there's one thing they will get, an additional understanding of God's word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he lived, he died, he rose again, and he loves Bob. And maybe months and months later, Bob finally accepts Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know who that third person may be, but I do know this. According to at the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this, we're all laborers together with God. Same passage of scripture about some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. We're all working together as missionaries. And when Bob accepts Jesus Christ, as cheesy as this may seem, I'm going to use a tomato. It says new life because the reality is that's the fruit of our labor. From the seed comes new life. Beautiful and symbolic. But this beautiful symbolic picture is what we do. We are missionaries. 
Every one of us. Now, you may not have been a part of a missions conference. You may not feel compelled to go to Romania. You, you may not feel compelled to one day plant a church. God help you if you do, because it is a challenge, but it is a blessing. But I do know this. You better feel compelled as a believer in Jesus Christ to give <coughs> truth. Y'all with me? Yes, sir. So far, so good, right? Last week, you know what we talked about? Well, if you weren't here, I'm going to tell you, okay? We talked about the method of missions. And Paul was a, in an incredible example in multiple times in Scripture, but we focused on Jesus. That Jesus intentionally reached out to a woman that we don't even know her name. We call her the Samaritan woman. And he went to where she was. That's the go. That's part of the mission. You go. And then he gave. He gave her truth. And then from that, he gathered. He gathered the fruit of his labor, which was her accepting Jesus Christ and her also telling others about Jesus Christ. And they came to know more and grow. And eventually the whole city of Samaria started catching on to this gospel thing, the thing about Jesus, the truth, and multiple people accepted Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? Because we're all working together. That's the method. Now the question is for so many people, Unless you've been grounded in truth and you know it well and you've been in church for multiple years, you may not have this question. But for some, their question is, what is the message? What is this thing you're calling the gospel? What does it look like? How does it work? Right? How do I, as a missionary, give that seed, the truth, the gospel to others? The message of the mission. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about. And I want to help you, if you're brand new to this concept, understand that you as a believer have been empowered with something so amazing, so life-changing, that you can revolutionize the world. So, if you all are with me, let's jump into God's Word and look at it together. Everybody with me? Take only your right hand and raise it high if you're with me. Oh, that's great. Some of you are not raising your hand at all. That means you're just barely hanging in there. I need you to listen because there is a very simple way to do this. Everybody in this room can walk away with clarity how to take the message of the mission, the gospel, and share it with other people. It's so easy. But in order for you to completely, absolutely understand it, I need to break things, some things down. The gospel. The gospel simply means this. It's translated good news. But not just any news. It's news about Jesus Christ. I said that a moment ago. It's the good news that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived, died, and rose again so that every man, woman, and child, whoever will trust in him, believe in him, can be forgiven of their sins and have heaven as their home. Simple thing called faith. That's the good news. That's the gospel. So if gospel means good news, you can't have news without a story. That wouldn't make any sense, now would it? So what is the story? Well, the story is what I just told you. It's the story of Jesus Christ. But the most powerful thing, I love this, the most powerful thing about the gospel is that we get to use our story to tell his story. A number of months ago, I really dived deep into this topic of your story. But I'm going to pull back a little bit and emphasize some specific areas and help you better understand how to share his story, which is the gospel, by using your story. Because you're a missionary. That's what we do. With every man, woman, and child we encounter, if God gives us the opportunity, we share the seed, the story of Jesus Christ by using our story. And eventually somebody else will come along and say, hey, let me speak into that. Let me tell you a little bit more about that, how Jesus changed my life, and they give more truth. And eventually, Bob, Billy, whoever, Susie, might come to know Jesus Christ. So how did... 
Paul use his story to give the gospel to everybody? Well, he had a really unique opportunity. This is so cool. I haven't had a whole lot of unique opportunities to meet famous people. How many in here would say I've had some really cool opportunities to meet some very unique, famous people? Would you raise your hand? Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking across this room and I'm thinking, really? You? Not? Oh, definitely? Mm, maybe. <laughs> some of you are thinking that's because I'm a very famous person myself. But here's the reality. God gives you opportunity. If you don't have opportunity to present the gospel, pray for opportunity. You know when I pray regularly? God give Thrive Church opportunity. Opportunity, opportunity. I just want opportunity to do something big for you. If you give me the opportunity, I'll go above and beyond to make it happen. So what Paul does in Acts chapter 26 and verse 22, he says, I look for opportunity to witness to the small and the great, to the least of the least, and to the greatest of the greatest. I'm looking for opportunity to witness. And so, through some really awful circumstances, Paul got an opportunity. His opportunity was really rare and unique, and it was amazing, because he got to stand in the throne room of the king, King Agrippa, and present the seed, the gospel. And he did it by using his story. This is the message of the mission. Y'all still with me? Okay, because it's so cool. So here he is, the Bible says, uh, in Acts chapter 26, standing before King Agrippa, and King Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hands and made his defense. And at the end of verse 3, he said, I beg you to listen to me patiently, intently, intentionally, because what he was about to give is life-changing. And he knew everybody in that room didn't understand the fullness of who Jesus is. They didn't believe in Jesus. And so therefore, they didn't accept the gospel, the message, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he lived, he died, he rose again. So here's his opportunity. Are you all with me? Think in your mind, this huge opportunity. And so what he does, he does something very unique. To clearly communicate his story, he breaks it up into three parts. And I love this. It's so easy because I've applied it in, in, as a pastor when I tell others about Jesus Christ. Uh, he gives the gospel and he breaks it up into three parts. He, first is his life before Jesus. That's separation from God. Everybody with us? Yep. All right. Then he explains how he came to know Jesus. All right. That's salvation through God. And then he takes one more step and then he explains how his life now looks because of Jesus. That's his transformation because of God. Really simple, right? Y'all ready for this little journey? Okay, cool. In verse 9, Paul starts off with the gospel and explaining his life before Jesus Christ. So he breaks it down in verse 9. And he goes all the way through verse 11. He gives a little bit of his testimony. That's a church word we use once in a while. Testimony. Another church word is witness. Witness means you're just telling people about your story, your life, and how it was influenced by God through the Holy Spirit. Y'all following me? It's a testimony. We're just going to use the word story because everybody can relate to that. Part one, his life before Jesus. This is separation from God. He, he tells the king, he said, uh, I, I, I did a lot of things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And in verse 10, he explains some of these things he did in Jerusalem to the saints. He said, I shut him up in prison. I received authority from the chief priests to do a little bit more than just put them in prison. I actually put them to death. I used my voice against them. And then in verse 11, he explains 
that he not only punished them in the synagogues, but he also compelled them to blaspheme, literally blaspheme Jesus. Turn your back on Jesus. Deny him. Reject him because what you believe is wrong. So he thought. So he's painting this picture. He said, man, I gave my voice against them in verse 10 and I punished them and I compelled them to blaspheme. We see that in verse 11. And, and he said, I was mad, exceedingly mad against them. He said, I was so angry. I was an angry man, so angry that I would go out of my jurisdiction to cities just to get in the synagogues and the churches, if you would, and pull those believers out and, and, and either kill them or imprison them. That's, that's how angry I was. So he just lays it all out there for the king. So this is the kind of man I was before Jesus. And why was I that kind of man? Because he was separated from in his relationship with God. It just didn't exist. He, he didn't understand who God truly was. He thought he was a religious man, but the reality was there was things missing. He was a broken man. I'm going to illustrate. Give me a second. Let me grab this. I'm going to be careful with this because it might break. I'm going to use this as my illustration because I believe this represents so many people. You know, all our lives were meant to be beautiful. Yes, even the ugliest of people physically were meant to be beautiful spiritually because we were meant to have this connection with our creator. But sin separated us. And because that separation, we're broken people. <laughs> and so Paul is trying to explain, before I met Jesus Christ, I was separated from God, my creator. I was broken, messed up. I mean, jacked up. I was a jacked up dude. And he said, and, and, and so Paul doesn't hold back. He shows the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's not much good, except the fact that he was a Pharisee and he was a religious man. And he thought he was doing the right thing, but he was completely wrong. And so he shows to us through this passage that my life before Jesus just was bad. Here's the reality. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again because I feel like it's so simplistic to understand. Y'all with me? When you give your story your life before Jesus, you're going to have to explain either the good, the bad, or the ugly. Mine was good, no doubt. You say, well, what does that mean, Dave? You were separated from God. You couldn't have been that good. Well, what I mean by good is this. I grew up in a Christian home. I was a religious-minded person, but I was still separated from God. So my life before Jesus looked pretty good, but it was still broken. Y'all understand? Dave was still broken. Dave wasn't meant to look like this. But then there's some of you in here, your story before Jesus was just flat out ugly. I mean, <laughs> really ugly, all right? Uh, you, you experienced horrible things, maybe sexual abuse, physical abuse. Maybe you were involved some, in, in some things that nobody could ever understand. It, it's just ugly. And at that time in your life, your broken life, you were trying to figure out, how do I fix, how do I fix this? We all know duct tape fixes everything. As for, you know, non-believers, they have like spiritual duct tape. This is just the way I think, okay? Just go with me, all right? I look, at like, <laughs> I look at it like this. People are going through life going, all right, I can fix this. I can fix this. Just a little tape covers that up, and they do something like drugs. You know, marijuana. Everybody's like, yeah, marijuana's great. Ohio must think it's okay because, you know, we just passed the law that it's okay. And they're like appeasing their need with this, if you want to call it a Band-Aid. They're trying to patch it. They're trying to fix it. But down deep, they're still broken. Now, they may not have grown up in my, like I did. Like I had a pretty good life. 
But I'll tell you what, let me just say this about my life, okay? Can I say this? Of course I can, because I'm up here speaking, all right? This was me. I was like, I grew up in church. I go to camp meeting. I'm in the Bible belt. Glory to God. I'm a, I, have, I have a lot of Bibles in my house. I do my daily devotions. I'm a good boy. I've never had sex, and I'm 18 years old. Hey, not only that, I've never smoked, I never drank, I never cussed. La-di-da, I'm a really good person. You know what I was doing with my broken life? I was covering it up with religion and good works. Y'all follow me? I was just patching it up, patching it up. Y'all see that? That's Dave. Just, just patching it up. That's good. And then there's that bad. How about the bad? How about those that didn't have an ugly life? They weren't abused. They weren't sexually abused or anything ugly like that. But things were just bad. They had a toxic relationship. And they're like, this has got to work. This has got to work. This person loves me. And they're going to fix me. And then they're like, man, I just hang out with people. And that's the, the only time I hang out with people is when I need to just get away and unwind, and I know these particular people I get away with and unwind with are not good people, but they help me feel better. And so I love having them in my life. And so those people, even though that's when I have my social time of drinking, that's, that, that helps me. Y'all follow me? You see this? That's the good, that bad, and the ugly. And all we're doing is patching what can only be fixed by one person, the Creator God. See, the Creator knew what you were meant to look like. And it's not this. And so Paul says right there at the throne room, hey, King Agrippa, this is me before Jesus. I was messed up. And I thought I could figure it out. And I was like this since I was a kid. Ever since I was a kid, I thought I had it figured out. And I tried everything. And then he takes the king to the second part of his testimony, where you need to go when you present the truth. And let me just say this before you get to the second part of your story, your testimony, your witness. You need to always pull people back to the gospel, which is grounded in God's word. Truth is always grounded in God's word. Here's, here's the verse I like to use when I explain to people my life before Jesus. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person falls short of the perfection and the glory of God. None of us are good enough to get into heaven. There's not enough spiritual duct tape you can apply to your life that will get you into heaven. Y'all follow me? And so when I tell people about my life before Jesus, I explain to them that I'm separated from God because all have fallen short of the glory of God. The word glory is speaking of the perfection of God. In other words, anything that has sin in its life cannot be in heaven one day impossible. That's why Satan was like lightning thrown out of heaven. It's unacceptable. So we are forgiven through Jesus Christ, and that's the only way we can have heaven as a home. So watch this. Acts chapter 26 and verse 12. He begins to explain the second part of the message of the mission, the gospel, how he came to know Jesus. This is cool. And some of you heard this so many times, but in Acts 26 and verse 12, he said that he went to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest. And, and then he explains in verse 13, it's midday, O king. Can you hear the way he's saying this? He says, it's midday, O king. And all of a sudden, there's a light from heaven. And the light was so bright, it was brighter than the sun itself. And then I hit the ground. And when I hit the ground, I bowed my head before this light that literally blinded me. 
And then he begins to explain that a voice came from heaven in verse 14. And he said, in the Hebrew tongue, it spoke to me and says, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? And I believe the king and the men and the women that are standing in that throne room are going, what? Are you kidding me? It's like, this happened. Sure enough, (laughs) on the road to Damascus. And all the guys that were there with me, they saw it too. Every one of them. And then it happened. And then he explains. He says, Who art thou, Lord, in verse 15? And then Jesus speaks to him and he says, I am Jesus, the one you persecute. I'm the one that you're inflicting your persecution on. It's not just the people. It's me because I represent the people. And then from there, Jesus begins to convict and work in the heart of Paul. And it is at that moment that Paul puts himself in complete submission to Jesus Christ because he believed that this was truly Jesus speaking directly to him. This is cool because Jesus goes on to say to Paul in verse 16, he said, get up, stand to your feet. I appeared unto thee for this purpose. Y'all ready for this? He said, I am here for one purpose. This is the purpose. Not just for Paul to believe in Jesus, but also for Paul to serve Jesus. That's his purpose, to be a missionary. Then he uses the word witness. To witness both to, of these things that you just experienced and some things that I'm going to show you later on. Now watch this. How cool is this? In other words, what I'm doing right now is part of your story, Paul. This is part of your story. And I'm going to add to your story later on. And, 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 and here's the reality. I'm going to use your story for you to reach people that ain't nobody else reaching. And you know who those people are in verse 17? It's the Gentiles. It's us. It's the people that are not the chosen, the Jews. We, the outcast. He said, I'm going to have you reach them because you're the only one that can. Y'all with me? Watch this. He says to, to Paul, he said, let me, and by the way, this is Saul at the time. His name changes to Paul. He says, look. You're going to show them your life before me and what you did against me. And then you're going to show them how you met me, your encounter with me, this salvation moment. (laughs) That's cool. And you're going to explain to everybody how you come to know Jesus Christ and and how I changed your life. And then through that, I'm going to give you a purpose. Some of you in here, you ain't got no purpose. At least you don't know what it is. Are you all with me? Stay focused now. You need to know your purpose. If you don't know your purpose, you're going to be a miserable, pathetic person in life. I know, that's harsh, isn't it? I know, not politically correct, but I'm going to give it to you straight because this is the reality. People kill themselves because they don't feel like they have a purpose. People go in deep, dark depression and feel like there's no hope because they don't have a purpose. You have a purpose, and the first purpose for your life is this, to know Jesus Christ. That's the salvation. Because you're broken, He wants to restore you. And after He restores you, He wants to use you. And when he uses you, he's going to use your story to point to his story to change everybody else's story. Y'all with me? Man, I'm feeling really good about that. I want you to catch the vision of where I'm going here because it's so important. This is really important for you to understand as well. Paul explains this in such a way that the people start to listen and focus. Now, let me give you the key verse, because if you give your story about how you come to know Jesus, salvation, you've got to include scripture. Here's the key verse. Everybody with me? I hope you write it down. If not, listen to the podcast, write it down later. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart 
that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Powerful. I don't care what version of the Bible you use. It is clear as day that the only way, according to this passage of Scripture, for you to be restored from that separated life that you have is for you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ just like Paul did on the road to Damascus. That's the only way. This idea that there's avenues into heaven, there's avenues. There's all kinds of ways. Oprah used to say that. She said, there's all kinds of ways. Oh, there's this way and that way and this. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, part two, how he came to know Jesus. That's the salvation. And then he closes it up with the third part. His life now because of Jesus. This is the transformation. In Acts chapter 26, verse 22, he says, Having therefore obtained help from, of God. I mean, my life changed. I got help. Things flipped upside down in a good way for me. I continue unto this day witnessing. There's that word. That word means your story. Can you all say story? Would you all say story, please? Story. Let's try it again. Would you all say story? Story. Story. Hey, not again. Story. I love it. I love it because that story is what he said. That's what I do today. My life now because of Jesus is transformed. And all I want to do is let everybody know about Jesus Christ. He said, King, I want you to know because in verse 23 he explains that Jesus suffered and he rose from the dead after he suffered on the cross. He's made a way for everybody, including the Gentiles. And now I want to tell you, King, it's up to you. Believest? And later on in Scripture we see that the King Agrippa looks at him and says, Almost. <laughs> almost thou persuadest me. But here's the reality. I love this. He planted the seed. Now, I don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us, and we don't know in biblical history if that king ever gave his life to Christ, but there's a chance maybe somebody else had an encounter with the king and gave him more truth and watered. And maybe that king had a new life, and the fruit came from the planting and the watering of Paul specifically. I don't know, but I do know this, and I'm going to close with this. I know this to be for sure. For you and for me, we are called to do something grand. And that is more than just exist. We are called to be missionaries, to give the message of the, of the mission to everybody we know. That's the gospel. Who we were before Jesus, how we come to know Jesus, and what our life now looks like through Jesus. That transformation. Here's a powerful verse that summarizes this. And you use this when you give your story. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new person, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It didn't say that everything's going to be great. It didn't say everything's going to be perfect. It didn't say you're not going to deal with disease and circumstances that could hurt you and your family because we live in a certain sin-cursed world. It just says that you're a new person. In the sense that the old man, the old person, the old woman that you used to be, it's gone. You're forgiven because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're no longer broken, but you're not perfect. But here's the reality. When we have that experience, we also have the responsibility to let everybody know the story. Amen. So here's your opportunity. Here's your call. Here's the charge I give you today on this specific afternoon. Be a missionary. 
Step up to the plate. Know the message of the mission, the gospel, and share it with everybody you meet. You know, when you tell your story, it tells his story. And when we tell his story, it just is captivating. You say, well, my story is not very good. It, it doesn't matter. It's every part of this right here, all this damage you received in your past, is part of the bigger picture. And it all points to his story. Just, just point them to Jesus Christ. And the rest is history. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, sir. I want to do this. I want to challenge you just for a moment to pray with me. And I just I want, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And as we bow for a word of prayer, I'm going to have Victor, and we, we changed things up last week. We'll change it up right now. That's okay. We're just going to have him play a little bit. And as he begins to play, I want to ask you this question. All right? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Christ in your life? You say, yeah, I know, I know. I didn't ask you if you know in your mind. I'm asking you if you know him in your heart. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ requires you to believe in your heart. You can't be the missionary and spread the, mes the message of the mission if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You need an encounter with God. And right now might be that moment. You say, I I've been through this. I've been through this. Dave, I've said prayers. I've, I I've had feelings. I I'm not asking you to focus on your feelings or the prayers. I want to know, are you truly a believer in Jesus Christ? Have you been changed? Say, well, I don't know. Well, it's time to know. Today's the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you know for sure, no doubt in your mind, would you raise your hand if you're not ashamed? Raise it like you mean it. Please, thank you. you may put your hand down. Maybe you're in here and you say, Dave, that, that's not true for me. I'm not a believer. At least I'm not sure I am. But I want to make a difference in other people's lives and it starts with me giving my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you and you say, Dave, would you pray for me? I, I need to accept Christ. Would you raise your hand and say, Dave, that's me? I just need you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Say, I, I want to accept Christ. Anybody like that? Here's my next question. Are you compelled to lead people to Jesus Christ? You're a believer. Every one of you testified to be a believer. But are you a missionary? Are you a missionary? Hey, mom, are you a missionary? Dad, son, daughter, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, are you a missionary? You're not a missionary if you're not soul-focused. Soul-focused means you don't just look at people physically, you look at people spiritually. Everybody you pass, you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if they know Jesus Christ. I wonder where they'll spend eternity. I wonder if I could talk to them about my story that can point them to his story that may give them a story. If you haven't been a missionary, my goodness, people, my goodness, planting a church doesn't just happen for one hour on a Sunday afternoon. You've got to get in the city and tell people. You've got to get involved. Say, Dave, you do FCA. Well, you ought to do FCA with me. Say, Dave, you do the parade. No, you ought to do the parade with me. Say, Dave, I'm not here all the time. Well, that's your fault because you chose not to be a missionary. Missionaries are in the trenches. Missionaries are making a difference. This is not my job to plant this church. This is our job. Because the world is going to hell. And if we don't step up, they'll continue to go there. We have a responsibility. You say, so find your purpose. It's more than just meeting on a Sunday afternoon, singing and teaching and greeting. It is getting in the community and making a difference. And it's more than Dave Liutso. It's all of us. We are all called to be missionaries.